Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph begins a message entitled, Walking in the Light. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 5 today. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. Well, was it good last week? Huh? Do you, do you remember? I, I listened to the tape and I thought it was pretty good. I was, I was impressed. It was a little hard to preach last night thinking I had to follow that. I spent last weekend in Santa Rosa, California. I, I was at a, a leadership conference that I taught at and then I spoke in a church. And then I did another leadership conference for a, a bunch of pastors from the whole Northern California coast. And uh, it was a really nice time because I was with a guy that that I, it turns out we, we got to talking. We've known each other for about 40 years and three months. Uh, that's a long time. And it, it's, he was 12, I was 19. Uh, long, long, long time ago. We met, uh, it was my first week teaching Sunday school to junior high school boys on a, on a concrete slab that three or four years later was going to be built into a, a, a building. They'd poured the slab and that's as far as they'd gotten in a little church that had lost about 80% of its members. There was a, a, a strike that, that hit or a layoff that hit Lockheed uh, Corporation in San Fernando Valley. And it turned out virtually everybody in this church either worked for Lockheed or worked for one of their suppliers. And uh, the church was decimated. People were moving everywhere. The valley was emptying itself of people. And so this church went from about 150 down to 23 or 24 people. And my first Sunday, this new family showed up. And this young kid, Dan Boyd, was in my class. Dan and his brother Dudley, another kid named Jeff Miller. I still remember all four of them. The, the fourth guy, we don't know whatever happened to him, but two of those guys became pastors. And, and as, as we were just talking about it, kind of sharing notes, it's the first guy that I ever mentored in my life. And as, it was his responses that taught me how to mentor and taught me that it's worth doing. And if it hadn't been for that relationship, I'm not really sure that there would be a Hope Chapel today. You know, I was a youth pastor. I had no idea of ever pastoring a church. And I wasn't really a youth pastor. And Tom Landez is a junior high pastor. I was working with four kids. You know, I was just a volunteer doing the best I could. But it was really rich and exciting to be with those guys and see what God has done. That church that Dan Pastors has planted a bunch of churches and they're working around the world. It's really fun. They're doing ministry in Cambodia, uh, much like what we're doing in Japan or Pakistan. And pretty exciting thing to, to see. So thanks for letting me go. Uh, as we get into Ephesians 5, the message is called Walking in the Light. And I want you to just stop and think about light for a moment. I, you know, I, I was on a trip recently with my wife. We took a vacation and we were in Puget Sound and uh, at, at one of those islands up there where we stayed. And one day we decided to take a ferry trip across the water to a place called Port Townsend. And it was great. We went and drove down this place and and we came to this place that there had been a military base. And and uh, they closed the base years ago and they turned it into a state park. It's very beautiful. Kind of untouched 
the spectacular beauty of the Northwest, you know, the all forest and everything. There was one little coffee shop there at the ferry landing and, and then this great huge parking lot where they line up all these cars. And I didn't think much about it. Went across and, and spent the afternoon and then we came back. And as we came back, we're, we're coming across the channel that's the main place where the ocean rolls into Puget Sound. Puget Sound looks like a, a huge lake except in this one place, and it, and it started to be heavy seas. Ruby's getting kind of scared, and, and you know, the boat is rising and falling and rising and falling. It's getting pretty big out there. And, and you know, I kind of like stuff like that, so I was doing real fine. And, and then we start to come up to where you could, you could see the evening was coming, the light had passed, the uh, sun had set long ago, and you could just make out the shadow, and you knew that there was land there, and there was just this blackness. And, and you're going, oh my gosh, uh, where are we going to end up? There's, there's no light anywhere. Uh, are we going to end up running this thing aground? And then all of a sudden, you begin to see a little red light, a little green light, a little red light, a little green light. And, and, and you knew that those lights were guiding us to where we needed to go. And when we got there, it was pretty much pitch black all around. There wasn't even a lot of street lights or anything. But uh, there were those harbor lights that led us home. And, and we so are, are in need of the direction that we get through our eyes and the light that leads us in the pathway. I want you to think for a moment what it would be like and just to kind of make a, we'll make up a little parable. Suppose that you were out hiking in the woods here in Hawaii someplace. I remember I used to go to Monowili Falls all the time when I first moved here. And, and I remember one Sunday afternoon coming back and I had my little kids with me and, and a, a bunch of other people that I'd taken up there. And suddenly it's, it, was, it was getting a lot darker than we wanted and it was taking a little longer than we thought it was going to take to get back. And I'm starting to think, what is it going to be like if I'm stuck up here in the dark and I got these people in my charge, and it's dangerous. If somebody falls, they could fall in a way that they got hurt real bad. And and so you put yourself in that spot. You're, you're walking on a on a ridge. I mean, suppose you're hiking up on on the edge of the Koalaus. You know, it's just sheer on both sides. And and uh, you're okay though because there's somebody in front of you, and they have a flashlight, and they. They, they, they are showing you the rocks in the road and what have you. And, and you're just doing along fine. And then the, the, the light goes out. The bulb burns out in a flashlight. Now you're stuck. What are you going to do? And you know, just sort of sit down and melt down. Uh, what, what would you do in that situation? But as, as you begin to get yourself under control and kind of calm down a little bit, you begin to realize there's, there's ambient light. The clouds are out, but the moon is behind the clouds someplace. The stars are there. And there's just enough light that if you just stay calm and you concentrate and you pick your way along, you're going to come through to safety. You're going to come through to success. And as we talk tonight about in the scriptures about the light of the Lord, and the Holy Spirit is really what it's talking about. And, and my illustration breaks down a little bit because he's not like the moon out there someplace. He's living within us and he communicates with us. And often, he, you know, the Bible says that the Lord speaks with a still, small voice. Often we struggle to, to really hear him or we struggle to see the light 
that we have. But as we as we kind of get ourselves under control and then begin to to get responsive to the light that we have, the the interesting thing that I find is that the that the light becomes brighter the more you pay attention to it. It becomes dimmer the less that you pay attention to it. And and so the Lord is calling us to 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 walk in his light and to walk in the in the strength that he has. I, I think in my little story here, in a lot of ways, the pastor is the guy with the flashlight. The problem is that the flashlight is really only turned on when you're sitting in church listening, or maybe you're tuned in on the radio or something. And after that, you've got to come to a place where you learn to walk by the light of the Spirit and allow the, the Spirit to lead you and to guide you and, and to move you in the direction that the Lord wants to take you. As we go into the text, it talks about our following Christ. And uh, the, the first point here is that we would follow Christ. And it says, follow God's example in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love for others, following the example of Christ who loved you and gave himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. And God was pleased because that sacrifice was like a sweet perfume to him. Now, it, it's asking us to just start out uh, kind of navigating through life by trying to be like Jesus. And, and uh, you know, you, you think about loving God. Sometimes, especially I think for men, it's kind of hard to ante up some sort of great emotional response to God. You know, how, how do you show love for somebody? Well, a lot of us shall love by doing things or uh, I, I do something for you is, is my way of expressing love to you. Another way that we express love or admiration is by imitating somebody. When you're a little kid, there's somebody in your life that you kind of hero worship them. You want to be like them. And so you begin to live your life like that other person. You know that old saw that says that uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. I like what you do, so I imitate what you do. And, and the Lord is calling us to express love to him by trying to be like him, trying to do the thing that he did and, and live our life the way that he did. And, and, he, and he talks about Jesus having laid down his life as a sacrifice for all the rest of us. God is calling us that we live our life in a way that, you know, he says, love the Lord with all your heart and then love your neighbor as yourself, that we would lay ourselves down as a sacrifice for the people around us. That just means to put the other person first. That, does, that means that in business, you're, you're not being cutthroat. That means that, that you're uh, treating your employees right. You know, as, as you look at companies, you, you uh, see the companies that work. You know, sometimes people are talking to me about Fast Company Magazine or Inc. Magazine. These different uh, business magazines that are always talking about how to get on the fast track to success. So much of it comes down to either treating your customers right or treating your employees right. Love works. It pays off. And the Lord's calling us to imitate Christ and have the kind of love that he had, not going to the cross for people, but to lay down ourselves uh, for other people and to make their life count and bless them. Is, are you with me so far? Now, it, it just sort of sounds like pretty much typical what you expect to hear in a text like this. But he goes on now and he, and he starts to, to talk about love in a way that is, is a little bit different. He says, let there be no sexual immorality or impurity or greed among you. 
Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Now, as you, as you look at obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, a whole lot of those are just the verbal reflections of sexual immorality, impurity, which would be like pornography, or greed. And all of those would be the antithesis of love. If I love you, I don't want to take advantage of you sexually and turn you into a sex object for my pleasure. If I love you, I don't want to take away what you have so I can have it. If I love you, I don't need to compete with you to somehow win some sort of a little contest in the back of my mind by piling up more goodies than you have piled up. And, and so suddenly the, the admonition to love the Lord and, and do it by following in his example, and the example is that Jesus laid his life down for all of us, gets down into some real hard-edged practical terms that you love the people around you in a way that says that you're not going to take advantage of them. You're not going to treat them as if you were the center of the universe and they're just somebody there for whatever it is that you need to accomplish the things that you're trying to do. Love starts to take a, 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 a sort of a serious and a hard edge to it. And there's a reality here that the Lord just says, I don't put up with this stuff and I, I'm not expecting you to allow it into your life. I remember counseling somebody when I first became a pastor about probably 30 years ago. And a guy came to me and he was really struggling because he was feeling lustful thoughts for one of his best friend's wife's wife. <laughs> his best friend's wife at <laughs> one. And he didn't know what to do. And, and so I, I told him, I, I want you to go and tell your friend what you're going through. And be respectful. And just, just tell him, because once you get out in the open, uh, it goes away. It tends to evaporate. And then what I want you to do is I, I want you to stop and think about really what, if you give in to this thoughts of pleasure, what a spiteful, evil thing is going on in the back of your mind that you got to some way do away with your friend in order to have his wife. Because that's there. That concept has to be there. And I want you to begin to uh, focus on loving this woman. You're lusting her. I want you to begin to love her. Now, to lust her would say, I want to take advantage of her. I want to wreck her home. I want her for me, for my purposes. To love her would say, I want her home to be a, a good one. I want her husband and her to work well together. I'd like for her husband to, to treat her with kindness and, and reverence and grace. I'd like for her children to grow up honoring her and, and begin to pray for this woman in this way. You begin to pray your love into her life. And, and I have a thing that when I counsel with people, I go back and go, how's it going, you know? I don't think you just give somebody advice and walk off. And, and I, I, I begin to just follow up on this. And I, I watch this person transform, this, 
this very evil thing that Satan had started to put in his mind, actually the Lord took it and turned it around and caused this person to come to huge levels of maturity in the Lord as, as he was able to uh, forsake those feelings of lust and replace them with love and begin to care for this family and for these people. And he went and got straight with, with his friend and told him the story. And he and his friend prayed together and they, they grew in their love for each other. And I watched this person then grow up and become the kind of a person that God brought a woman into his life and he was capable of really loving her rather than just being married to her and she's a fixture in his life while he's going on his little fantasy world. Am I making sense here at all? And, and so as you look at the scripture, it's, it starts out to be kind of benign and almost mushy. You know, follow Christ's example and, you know, love people the way the Lord loved you. And, and it's very predictable. And all of a sudden he goes, bam, bam, bam. You know, no immorality, no impurity, no greed. God doesn't want any of this kind of stuff. And, and it's, it's this life that we live that, that we somehow think that I am the center of everything. And my deal is I have a relationship with God and I need to figure out how he can make my life work better to satisfy my ends. And we need to flip it upside down and go, there is a God who is the center of the universe. And he is writing a story. And he's called me into his story. And he's given me a role to play. And I want to find out what that role is. And a couple of big clues here are Jesus saying, love the Lord with all you got. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And as I, as I do that, I begin to put myself in a place where I'm availing myself to the Lord working and doing and leading and, and doing whatever it is that he wants to do. Think of it this way. Think about God is writing a story called history. And he knows what next Thursday holds for you. He knows what Monday holds for you, for me. And what we're capable of is rebelling against the story, going off and doing our own thing. That's sin. What works best is if we discern our role and we begin to walk out and live out the thing that the Lord is calling us to do, that he's, that he's set for us to do. And as, as we do that, then his grace begins to, to, to pour out in our life. All of a sudden, life starts to count for something and, uh, and, it, and it goes good places. Let's go a little further here. In verse 5, it starts to talk about what we worship. The question that I ask is, you worship what? It says, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person, there's that theme again, will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. I mean, the whole idea of the kingdom of God is God's the king, and I'm the follower of him. And if I'm doing something in rebellion toward him, I'm not going to be in his kingdom. He says, a greedy person is really an idolater who worships the things of this world. You know, a greedy person is an idolater who worships the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the terrible anger of God comes upon all those who disobey him. Don't participate in these things, in the things that these people do. Greed ultimately comes down to worship. You know, the, the whole idea of worship is it's what you focus value on. And the kind of greed that the Lord is, is, is against here is the kind of thing that if I just could have that, then I'd be happy. 
If I just could have this, then I'd be important. If I could just achieve this, people would respect me. And what am I doing? I'm, I'm taking everything that I ought to be getting from God and I'm investing it in some stuff. And if I can get this car, then I'll have it made. If I can get this house, then I suddenly I'll be somebody. If I can get this position and, and, and everything that we ought to be able to get from a relationship with God in terms of my identity, in terms of I, I count for something. You know, when I begin to, to, to look at my life as a part of God's story and God's plan for the universe and, and I find my little place in it, then all of a sudden I can look myself in the mirror and I don't need to compare myself to you or to anybody else. I can be happy with me the way that God made me. And all I really got to do is learn to walk in his light and become the person that he's called me to do. And, and I don't need a lot of stuff in order to be satisfied. And so that kind of greed that reaches itself over into worship of something that becomes a lesser God, that greed begins to be, be killed in my life. And I'm free to live for the Lord and to live in worship with him. Now let's go on and it talks about light. In, in verse 8, it says, For though your hearts were once full of darkness, you are now full of light from the Lord. It's really saying that you were kind of lost and uh, left to your own devices. And now you have the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you. He says, your behavior should show it. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. And then it says, try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. And if you, if you stop and, and think that there's an incongruity here. Paul is, is talking very boldly about the light. It says, though your, your heart was once full of darkness, now... You are full of light from the Lord and your behavior should show it. Then he says this light that's within you produces only what is good and right and true. Then he says try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Get this. You have light inside of you. When Jesus came into you, the Holy Spirit is in you. He's leading you. He's guiding you. He's lighting your path. And the light that's inside of you is going to only put out what's good and right and true. Oh, by the way, do your best to find out what pleases the Lord. And you go, whoa, 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 what is this all about? Is the, is the light there? Is it as strong as you say it is? If it is, why do I have to do my best to find out? Why doesn't it just, you know, blast me with goodness from on high or something? You know, what is going on? And, and I, I, I think that he's touching on something. I, I, I'm reading a book right now about... Um, Celtic evangelism, Celtic Christianity, from about the 5th to the 10th century. Uh, very interesting. This, this revival movement came up in, in Ireland and Scotland and Wales that eventually led to the Christianization of Europe. You know, the church spread throughout all of Europe in the first three centuries and then was pretty much snuffed out when the Roman Empire was overrun by the Goths and the Vandals. And and in this little conclave of Christians in Ireland came back and sort of reinfected the whole West with Christianity. And as I'm reading this book, one of the things that they, they keep making a point about is that 
so much of our Christianity is kind of a dichotomy. We sort of have this idea that God sort of lives upstairs in Never Never Land. And we sort of live down here in cold, hard reality. And we go to visit him on Saturday night in church. Or we go to visit him for 20 minutes in the morning when we read our devotions. Or, you know, and, and we go upstairs and have this little experience with God. Or sometimes we're hollering to God who's upstairs. And once in a while he's speaking back to us who's downstairs. But largely we sort of live our lives on, on this, there's this bifurcation. There's this two different levels here. God's on one level and I'm on another. And this is why in the first five minutes of tonight, when I'm talking about following Christ's example and laying your life down for others, that you immediately zone out. Because that's upstairs talk. And you're living downstairs. Downstairs. 